One of my favorite phrases is like, how do I throw hard and not sharp? We can say something hard, but also, you know, not sharp. And there's a difference. You know that sting, that zing, and we know how to do it. This is Taking the Lead, a podcast for B2B tech professionals, leaders, and executives who want to learn from female icons in the tech industry. In each episode, host Christina Brady interviews women who are driving revenue for some of the most respected tech companies in the world. Are you ready to get inspired? Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Taking the Lead. I'm Christina Brady, and this episode is brought to you by our friends at Contract Book, Walnut, and Motion. Kicking it off with Contract Book, they are a contract automation tool that makes managing contracts easy, efficient, and automated. They enable you to utilize the valuable data inside your contracts to create powerful workflows and take the hassle out of contracts. Couldn't we all use that? Visit contractbook.com to learn more. Walnut is the world's first sales experience platform. They give B2B sales teams the ability to create interactive and customized sales demos without the coding. Use Walnut to make your sales journey more customer-centric. You can embed an interactive product walkthrough on your website to increase your conversions. You can even share links to personalized demos with your prospects to improve their buying experience. If you would like to learn more about the incredible things the Walnut team is doing, visit walnut.io today. And finally, we could not produce this very show, Taking the Lead, without our partnership with the incredible team at Motion. They are a podcasting service for scrappy marketing teams and leaders alike in B2B tech. If you are looking to have your own show, they launch podcasts just like ours. They help create the audio, video, and written content out of every episode. You can find them at motionagency.io. Now that brings me to our topic today and our incredible guest, Christine Rogers. Welcome to the show. Oh man, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so much fun. I can already tell. <laughs> chatter was so much fun. So I'm looking forward to it. The pre-show chatter is where it's at. Uh, we 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 realized we were diving into it. We were like, wait, 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 we got hit record we're diving in which just kind of goes to show we're gonna we're gonna lean in on a couple of fun topics today but before we get there let's learn about you so you're currently the president and coo of aspireship tell us a little bit about what you do and and how you got there i'm looking at your journey working <laughs> in infusion soft and mind body and Y scouts and now i mean tell us about it i'm dying to hear so Aspireship, what we do here is we train people that want to get into SaaS sales, specifically SaaS sales, and we do it for free. So they can do it uh, if they sign up, they have to complete it within 30 days. And it's a course that's just designed to give them the fundamentals that they need to understand what it means to be a salesperson inside of a SaaS organization. So hard skills, soft skills in there. If they can prove competency through the assessment at the end, which I think some people believe because it's a free course that it's going to be easy. It's not easy. Then you can be added to our grad network. And then on the other side of that, I have companies that have decided we want character and competency over experience. And we'll hire your people if they can prove experience in this, in this coursework. And um, so we have amazing companies that partner with us and they hire our grads. And so that, that's what we do. 
how I got here <laughs> was that because, was you know, over the last 10 years, I've been working with inside sales organizations. So both in running uh, them, you know, being the revenue owner in those different um, organizations, also doing enablement. And then I did a small stint in executive recruiting as well. So that kind of really gave me some flavor as to how broken the hiring market really is. And also I experienced that on the other side as a sales leader, just going, man, I need great people and I don't care what their experience is. I just need to know, can they do it? And um, will they stick and will they be great for the company? And are they going to like it? You know, not even can they do it, but are they going to be like enthusiastic about it? So, you know, really I had a very non-linear journey. It was kind of all like all over. I didn't take um, a path that was, you know, sales rep to manager, to director, to, to VP of sales, you know, I really took a, a really kind of curly cute path and learned a lot of different things that made me really, I think, interesting and a good fit for a role like this. I love the curly cue path. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're rarely linear. And and the, the work that you're doing now, I think, is so interesting and so needed and you're the right person to ask for this perspective. But for anyone looking to break into SaaS or break into tech, you experience and you come across more of those folks than anybody. What do you think are some of the biggest barriers? Where do people get tripped up the most when they're trying to transition? Um, I, I think a couple of things. One, they don't understand the nuances of the environment that they're going into. So mm. I think two different personas for the most part, people that are like very kind of early in their tenure and think they're well-suited for sales. But then you and I have probably had this experience before, and I know for sure other sales leaders have where you hire them and you're like, I think they're going to be good. And then they're just like, this is not for me, right? So I think that, that that can be risky. The other thing that I see a lot is people that have done sales. They've carried a quota. They've done it. They don't know, though, if they're enthusiastic about being inside in this environment selling this type of thing. So what we help them do is try it out. I mean, because the course is free, if it's not for someone, then you they self-select out. They're like, whoa, the first right. time they have to get in there and do a role play. Or if they're having a hard, this is proprietary software that we built. So if they're having a hard time with technology, these are things that you have to be proficient at if you're going into a software company, a tech company. So the nature of the course helps people understand what will be expected. Also, they have to complete it within a time frame of 30 days. It's 20 to 30 hours. So that that also, it, a lot of people will be like, oh, I just didn't have time. It's like, this is not that role. Like this is a role where there are timelines and dates and there are, there's pressure. And so we created it and sure, we could give everybody all the time in the world that they wanted to, but that's not helping test for what we need them to do. So if that's stressful to you to complete a 20 to 30 hour course in 30 days, this may not be for you because, you know, you know, doing sales is like having a final exam at the end of every month. That's right. (laughs) It's like the pressure. You know, I remember thinking I would never go into anything like writing for a newspaper where there were deadlines all the time. And here I am a sales leader. I mean, that's what it is. You know, you have that you have that like end of the month, end of the quarter, that rush. You know, you know what it feels like if you've done this. And that is not for everyone. No, just the movement that you talk about yeah. that I think is so rare in tech. And I've talked about this in other episodes before, but just the the magnitude in which 
time passes and people are promoted and everybody moves around and just that the the up and down roller coaster of one day I can be on cloud nine because I'm at 110% to my target. And the very next morning when I wake up, I'm 80% behind where I have to be. And it's that juxtaposition of having to code switch that quickly with how you're feeling and just then the, the, again, the movements, the promotions, like I've said it before, my husband works in an industry very far outside of tech and he's been in the same role for 12 years and that's totally normal, yeah. right? It's like totally normal. Like when my boss's boss retires, we'll all scoot up, you know? And so it's just getting people prepared for that. I think it's so important because it is, it's whiplash, even if you're ready for it. That's right. Yeah, and you don't know if you're like, there's some parts of it where I think we as leaders of organizations like this need to help people like emulate as much as possible what that's going to feel like so that they understand that stress, that strain. So even in, you know, the hiring processes where I'm giving advisement, I'm like, give a tight deadline. If you want that back, you want to see, can they make this deadline? And if they do, do we need it to, you know, be by this time, be very specific, know these things, you know, to help measure pace to help measure, um, uh, you know, the writing capability, like emulate the role, give them exactly what they're going to do. So then if it's like, I actually, I don't like that at all. Great. Now we know that's not for you. That's perfect. You know? Um, and, and I think that that's really, really important because like you're saying, you, you might be in a role for a little while. And then especially in a startup, you know, startups are opportunity factories. I mean, you're literally like, oh, I'm great at this. Like there could be a role we could make up for you to do. And so, you know, you understand that this is what we're creating and you're a big part of it. If, you know, especially in some of the smaller organizations, it's, it's an amazing ride. If that's for you. It, I mean, I, <laughs> I wanted to laugh. No way. I know. I know. <laughs> when you said we could make up a role for you, like I, I've been, I've been at those tables discussing an incredible talent that we have and being like, where do we put them? Let's make this role. And then it becomes a role or an entire team. And it's just, I laugh because that's, it's, that's so realistic here and it's so rare outside of it. I know. And, and that is the other part where people are a little jolted. You know, if you've been in an industry that's a little bit more structured, like the one that, you know, your husband's in, then it is, I, I have a gal on my team. I said, you know, what do you think this what do you think this looks like in a year? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll help you. Like, let's, let's co-create what this might look like. And then would you need to learn between now and then? Right. So this, this wasn't even around six months ago. Now we've got it. And now I'm asking you, let's co-create something together. She's like, I've never co-created a job. I don't know what this means. And it's like, oh, okay, well, let me talk to you about that. Like, if X is this and Y is this, we need to make sure that this makes sense for us to pay for this work. And it's just fascinating, but that's not every industry for sure. No, and, well, and what you're talking about is you specifically taking a meaningful part in creating opportunities for others around you, creating opportunities for yourself. And that can exist in abundance here. Mm -hmm. But I would go so far as to say that the higher up the ladder that opportunity is, the less and less diversity you see. Would that, is that your experience as well? Yeah, I think that's probably right. As far as, uh, you know, in tech companies, if the majority look the same, uh, then I think there's some sameness for sure. Um, and, you know, sales is definitely one of those areas where, you know, there's usually just a percentage that are women, a lower percentage in that. And also, 
you know, I have been fortunate enough to work for incredible people that saw the differences that the difference in thought and the diversity and the way that I solve problems and have been very, very supportive of those things and, you know, really sponsored me in the room and out of the room. And I think that that's super important. And, you know, when I, I have a good friend, she's a CTO. I mean, being a woman CTO in tech, I mean, very rare, you know, to have that at that level. And I mean, she's incredible. And, um, and we were just talking the other day and said, like, it's been, it's been a great ride being sometimes the only woman. And it's because there've been amazing people around the table. And also you have, you mean, you're, you're forging through and kind of given a little grace and we're bumping into each other a little bit and that's okay. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're, you're hitting on the main topic and kind of the core of today because of your experience and those around you of, I imagine there's been more than one time when you've been the only woman at the table per se. When can you think back to the first time that you experienced that, where you look around and you realized I'm, (laughs) I'm the only woman here and, and what that was like. So my prior history to coming into tech, you know, I, I was in insurance. I also um, owned my own business, right? So I owned a small business for furniture for pregnant women, like we sell baby furniture. So I was predominantly around women in an environment like that, women decision makers for sure, right? So we're making the buying decisions. Then when I came into tech, I mean, my first, my first tech job, I was an inside sales rep and I was the only woman on the team. It was a full team of nine. I was the only woman. And there was another woman on a different team. And I think maybe one other on a team of about, I think there were, we all had about teams of nine, 10. So just, you know, kind of one, you know, one year, one year, one year, you know, and um, that was really my first time of like noticing like, oh, that's really different. And there are other parts of the organization that were many more women were involved in. So, in, you know, over in marketing communications, different things like that. And also on our implementation and, and kind of customer service, customer success team, many more women. And so um, I guess I had just not thought about that because like my whole life had been in sales, you know, whether I thought that or not, like doing insurance, doing, you know, the baby furniture store I was selling, uh, you know, and my business partner was selling and we were all selling, you know, so I had not really thought about that before. So that was really my first time is jumping into that. You know, my first experience, my first month on the floor, I, we ha- I had a lead dispute with the same oh, no. guy first, he was the number one top performer. We no. had three lead disputes, three and in the first month, in the first month. And I remember him looking straight at me and saying, you really want to go here with me? And I'm like, yeah, I read, I read the rules of engagement. Like I, I know the lead policy, like, yeah, they're all mine. And he was just like, I don't care if they're all yours. Like, do you want to, do you want to like, basically like if we do this now, like you're on my radar. And he was the top performer. Had been was the first sales rep that had ever been hired. <laughs> and I just yeah. stuck. I just said, "Yeah, let's go." And I got all three of them. Like I be and and I was willing to do it because I was just like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna start here like that this way." Like so, and that took. That was my first time where I was like, "This is gonna be different. This will be different." That's that's terrifying to do. <laughs> Yeah. For a lot of reasons, though, you're you're new at a company, you're newer in an industry, you're in an individual contributor role, and you have the person who is kind of the head honcho, and that's threatening for 
what is my brand going to be here? And if my brand isn't what I need it to be, am I going to be promoted? Am I going to make the money I need to make? Am I going to get the recognition of my superiors? And so having that very early on, now we're going head to head. It's like I I had very similar experience in my first tech sales role of having to bump bump against somebody who was nestled in there very, very comfortably. And I just remember that feeling of, I don't know what to do. It feels like every every way that I turn here, I'm going to make a wrong move for me. Yeah. And like, how am I here? Like, how did how did I wind up in this position where now, like, suddenly I'm I'm the woman on the team and I'm bumping up against somebody else on the team and creating drama. And then I imagine there was some nuance too of not wanting to act too emotionally or not wanting to overreact and having to make sure that you were being seen as professional. So. Obviously, that worked out. And at one point, you wound up moving into higher roles at other companies and moving into leadership. Mm -hmm. Did you ever see some of the same themes persist of looking around and realizing like, I am the only or I am one of only a few women in this room? Sure. Yeah. So um, my first, you know, I promoted quite a quite a bit inside one organization. And then and then, you know, moved over as the VP of sales to another organization and walked in with kind of fresh. And I was, yeah, there was one other VP and she was on the team. She was also the controller. So she had a little bit of a different type of role. And, you know, the VP of sales is a pretty hot seat. It just, it's a hot seat. It's a hot it's seat. A hot seat. It's totally. A hot seat. And, you know, I had some really interesting interactions right away because I, I, for a while really did embrace, like, I have to act like a man and I need to pull out. And, and in general, I will say my overall persona is a little bit, I've been told this more masculine, probably in just, um, in the way I communicate in my directness. And so I really pulled much of myself there, you know, and I was using that a lot. And what I started to understand as I moved and got more confidence and I would say competency in my role, I started feeling like I could be more myself and found that, you know, bringing my whole self to this really did allow for greater performance and did allow for people to understand, you know, my conversations differently and how I wanted to develop them was different and how we talked was different. I mean, I was the leader of an organization where all eight of my managers were men and like in me. And then, you know, um, so it was, you know, great. They all looked to me. And I remember one of my very first meetings with them when I had taken over the direct floor, I said, we're going to do this weekly, you know, manager meeting, these leadership meetings, and we are going to do some things together. And um, I remember I just decided every week I was going to bring a topic and um, I would find quotes that were specifically around that topic. And the one I first picked, I believe, was courage. And so I just like, you know, looked up courage and they cut little pieces of paper, threw them in the threw them in a little bucket. And I had this little bucket and I made them all sit at the table. And I'm like, everybody pick a piece of paper out of the bucket. And they picked it out and they're like reading these quotes about courage. And I'm like, we're going to go around the room and I want you to say, do you agree with this? Do you not agree with this? What do you think? How do you think about courage? And so the first time they were all looking at me like, what is she doing? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what she's doing. And I didn't know what I was doing either. All I wanted, to, all I knew is we were getting ready to go up our biggest quarter. We had a huge mountain to climb and we had some giant goals. And I'm like, this is going to take all of us really being courageous together. And I remember we did this. And so one week I came, it was probably like maybe like two months later, I came to the meeting and I didn't have my little bucket. And they all said, they're like, where's the bucket? 
like it, we want and I'm like, no, we need to like run through some numbers and we need to do some different things. So they're like, they really wanted the bucket because they said like, what we need, what we need is this galvanizing truth. And then what they were doing is they were bringing it back to their teams and they were saying, we're going to, we're going to be courageous today. And so they rolled it down. And so what they, it was so funny. Cause it's like, at first they're looking at me like she's nuts. And then after that, they're like, when, why, where's the bucket? You know, we, we want to have these types of conversations because actually they know how to run the numbers. They know what the KPIs are. They know where we need to be. But at the end of the day, what we sometimes have to tap into is what we know here, right? Not here. And I think that that's where sometimes we miss it. And that's the part when that I tapped into more me and brought that to the table and we saw more movement and more performance. And so I think that it's one of those things like being authentically you regardless of gender affiliation, any other thing like that, if you can be that and bring that, man, that's a secret sauce, right? That's where companies win or lose. I mean, diversity of everything, mm-hmm. I think, is is key to a business succeeding. Mm-hmm. Diversity of gender, diversity of race, diversity of culture, diversity of, of any kind of orientation. It's other experiences being brought into the room that can look at any problem in a lens that you simply cannot. And so I would say if if you're looking around and every single person in the room at that leadership table looks and thinks exactly like you, then you're naturally going to be handicapped in your ability to do something revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You just don't have the extra thought that you need. It makes me think about one of my experiences at a prior company. I remember I was taking over a team as a leader and I was taking over a team and there were seven sellers on that team and they were all men and nobody better than I, right? The regional sales director of that team, it was like, yeah, you're bringing up, coming out as a frontline manager. You're going to take over this team. There's these seven, you know, sellers like, here you go, go, go lead the team. And we decided that we wanted to branch out and create another tier kind of underneath that team and hire a secondary team. So it was almost like, think of it like SMB and enterprise, a little bit different, also not, not really important. And I was hiring for the best talent and I wound up hiring all women and one man on that team. And so we had the first team that was all men. Nobody said a word about it. The second team was all women and one man. And I remember the regional sales director at the time who was a male was like, man, you're hiring a lot of women on that team. We got to get some uh, some male energy in there. And I laughed and I said, you know, that's so funny because when I took over the team, there were no women at all. And I don't remember you telling me that there's way too many men on this team and we need to get some female energy. So why is it that a room full of male professionals doesn't strike you as imbalanced, but a room full of female professionals does? And when I said that, I then immediately regretted it because I didn't know how it was going to be taken. I was like, oh, here I am now pushing back and making noise. And luckily, this individual was wonderful and kind of sat back and was like, I don't think I ever even realized that that was the case. Mm-hmm. And I breathed easy, but it, it's that. It's, it is so normal to view a lack of diversity as standard. But then if there's diversity, all of a sudden now it becomes imbalanced immediately. And, and I see that in so many different places. So to your point, being somebody who has been sponsored to help you achieve where you are, but also sponsoring others, it's, it's critically important. Have you ever seen a gender or diversity gap then as it goes from individual contributor up into leadership. Because again, that's where I start to see that more and more diversity drops off. We're seeing in tech 
that the more introductory level positions, the BDRs, the SDRs, the account executives, the account managers, there's a lot more diversity there now, a lot more. We're doing much better. But they're not making their way up to the top as quickly as we would like or need them to. And why do you, do you see that? And why do you think that is? Oh, I definitely do. I mean, when you look at, you know, across the board, you know, even on LinkedIn, there are very few executive women in like C-level, VP level in certain types of areas of the business. And so, um, so I absolutely think that's true. I will say a couple of things as I am somebody that, you know, speaks to a lot of women and women come to me like, Hey, how can I do this? Um, you know, what, what, what are some things that you, you know, did specifically that helped in this area? I will say a couple of things have been very helpful for me as I advised other women in general. So I'm going to make some generalizations and I don't want this to be taken out of context as far as what I I will speak to myself. I am a verbal processor. And I think very often women, we verbally process with each other. So if you think about how we solve problems, very often it's talking it through. Like you and I are having different occurrences in this conversation because as we're talking, new things are popping through. We're like verbally processing and then we're landing somewhere. I found that in that specific area, I had to tighten up how I processed and not process in front of too many other C or like executive level people that were going to be making decisions about whether I was competent or not enough to be in the room. Because ultimately I got there. But like if they're listening to how I think things through, that doesn't always help me. And I will tell you a lot of times I see this in other women where I'm watching and I'm on the executive team now and I'm listening and I'm like, she is, she knows exactly what she's doing. However, the way she's showing up right now is she's verbally taking us through this and I need more concise. I don't know if I could put her in front of a board. I don't know if I could, you know, do certain things because will it go on? And so there's some different ways that I think like, I'm not saying if we're in a brainstorming session and we're solving a problem and we're in a place like that, for sure, there's a place for that. But if somebody is saying, Christine, what do you believe about this? What is your opinion about that? I need to take a minute and um, I, I might prepare a little differently. Like as people are talking, I might be making notes. I might be doing it so that when I have an opinion, I can be a little bit more concise. I can bring a little more brevity to the conversation. I can stop. And if I don't have an opinion, I'm confident enough to say I don't have enough information for that. And so I think sometimes there's are certain places where women can possibly tighten up a little just to give a little more executive presence, which when we talk about that executive presence, or I will say uh, my ex is a, is a police officer and he calls it command presence. And so when you think about command presence, very masculine energy around that whole statement, right? Like when somebody walks in the room, do they have an, a, a feeling that they are in charge of this room, you know, and there is some of that that we need to be able to do in any executive role. And so like just about the way I think feedback is beautiful on this is that you can ask people, not just your besties, not just the people that are for you, but the other people to say like, when I come into that leadership meeting or when I give, um, you know, when we're all talking together as a team, am I showing up as a leader? Because that's how I want to show up. Am I showing up that way? You know, this is my goal and get some also people to help you out. If you're doing a couple of things that are that are problematic like that, have them signal you <laughs> like have them signal you like, be like, I mean, I had a gal that she was 
she would she had a terrible problem with controlling her facial expressions. And um, <laughs> I just raised my hand. That's me. I used to have people signal me when my face was going That's off. Right. They they would put they would lift up their hands and put it behind their head if I was making a face that was not the right face for the meeting. It was like I just had to have them be my accountability buddies because my face is my. It's, sometimes it, it works for me, but most of the time it's not good. But, but that is a huge thing. And so what we did with this gal, she was working on getting to a director position. And so I was her direct supervisor and she had her subordinate. We basically got in a room together and said, like, how can we help you? What can we do to be there? And, she, and I said, I will tell you, this is your biggest problem is you're making like a face like he's saying crazy things. I also believe he's saying something that doesn't make sense. But my face is stoic. like I am. I'm listening. And your face is like, like doing like that. And so what we did is like, her subordinate, she basically was like, okay, if I go like this in a meeting, that means you're making a face. And, and I can't remember. Oh, mine was tapping my pen. Like I would tap my pen. And so it was her aware, like that helped her be aware. And also at one point I did take my phone and I like recorded her so she could see herself. And I was like, this, these are the things. And here's what happened. A few months later, she, she put, went up for that director position. She got it. And it was beautiful. And I had nothing to do with it because she was going into a different department. So, I mean, of course, I gave my recommendation, you know, but she earned that. And it was that it was just something simple. So it's like acknowledging, knowing what you're good at, bringing yourself to the table. Also, you know, being aware that we have to bring an executive presence and you probably need to be like executive presence. If you want to be a manager, you better be prepared to bring that executive presence of like a VP at that level. Like that's how good you have to be, right? To be able to bring that. And um, and also have a few people that you trust help you if there are certain things that are holding you back. I mean, I I am buzzing in so many different directions right now in a great way because what you're talking about, I think, is the crux of where we get caught up a lot because things like executive presence, professional communication, demeanor, body language, EQ, are gender agnostic. Mm -hmm. These are skills that anyone, depending on the role that you're in, what responsibilities you have and who you have to interact with, they're skills that you have to have. Yeah. I find that we get stuck because oftentimes, sometimes women or anyone who is BIPOC or of a diverse nature gets stuck in the Am I not getting this job or am I not getting the respect or am I not getting the results because I am a woman or because I am a person of color or because I am gay or lesbian or any of those reasons? Am I not getting the respect because of bigotry or am I not getting the respect because there's skill sets that I need to develop that are hindering me? I find that sometimes it gets really gray in there, especially for the individual. And it can be hard for someone like yourself to say, look, I'm telling you, you need to have a better executive presence, not because you're a woman, because you're a human being who wants to be a director. And that's what a human being who wants to be a director has to do. Yeah. Have you ever had a situation like that where it's gotten very cloudy? Um, well, I can tell you in my own, in my own experience, when I was going, yeah. you know, kind of from a manager to a director and I was in a leadership meeting and I was having some challenge and I disagreed. I had a disagreement with another leader. This was probably a, a it was a pretty good sized leadership meeting, maybe 40 to 50 people in that room. 
And oh, wow. the person I was disagreeing with, he actually came to me after and said like, hey, could we go to lunch? And I said, no, like I was not in the mood. I was actually <laughs> just not open. And to make a very long story short, I finally said, yeah, yeah, let's go do that. And I knew he was going to, I knew he was going to give me feedback and I was not open at that time. So I picked a time when I was and went with him and he told me like what I, what I believe is the issue. Like, and so he, and, and he, call, he called me bitey. He said, you're kind of bitey. I didn't really, you know, cause I actually don't, this is another thing. Not all feedback is for you. Some of it is, some of it's not. Like, oh. so, uh, so that's the other thing is I've had a lot of feedback that I'm like, oh my gosh. And then it's like, yeah, that's not for me. Thank you. And also I'm, I'm good with where I'm at on that. But in that, right. in that case, he helped me. He kind of pointed out a couple of different t- things. And then the funny part is I went back to the office and one of my girls that worked for me at the time, she like walks up to me and she has her like notebook. And she's like, hey, quick thing on that project we're working on. Before you say anything, I just went. And as soon as she did that, I was like, why do you say that? She goes, you know, you get really. And I'm like, "Uh, am I biting? (laughs) And it was so important in that moment for me to hear that because it was confirmation of like, oh, I'm a little I'm a little like this. And so I started working on it on before I jump or before I'm reactive like taking a pause and say like, you know, respond, don't react. How do I do this? Where is there another way? And instead of statements, I started trying to ask more questions. So it, it was more collaborative in my conversation. Was I still getting the initiatives and, you know, moving things forward the way that I was hoping? Yeah, but I was doing it in a way that felt more collaborative and that helped me get there. So it was like a director at this level needs to have these attributes. I needed to work on a few of those attributes. And are they a part of the arsenal that is me? Yes. But I needed to bring some of those more forward because in other parts of my life, I, you know, as an individual contributor, if I only am caring about myself and this is my responsibility, I bring different attributes. When I have to care for a group of individuals, I need to be a little more collaborative. So there's some different parts. And it's not about being somebody different. It's about bringing different parts of who we are to the table and saying, this is what's needed here. Oh, I mean, and you also hit on a key point that is sometimes feedback is not the right feedback. And you're like, I, this is sounds like a you thing and and not a me thing. Mm -hmm. Other times somebody gives you bad feedback about the right thing. And I feel like that's, that's your experience where like the feedback and the delivery of the feedback was not the right way to give that feedback. It was not the right setting. It was not properly communicated. But the point behind all of that was probably feedback that you needed to hear. And I, I mean, I've had, I've had that moment too. And it took me a long time to realize that in that moment, it was bad feedback about the right thing. Hmm. And my moment was when I was a sales manager, again, at a prior company, me and my rep basically wound up over a lead dispute with another manager in their rep, right? And of course, this thing blows up in salesforce.com chatter and the two reps are like, I and I was like, all right, let's just get in a room. The four of us, me, his leader, and you and him, we're going to talk it out. And I remember we're in this meeting talking it out in one of our all glass conference rooms. And I was passionately explaining on behalf of my rep, who I knew felt very overwhelmed in this situation, why we felt like that lead belonged in our territory. And while I was 
giving my all and giving an Oscar worthy speech of here's exactly <laughs> why, <laughs> you know, it should, it should be in there. I remember he's, he's, he's clacking away on his keyboard and he's looking at his screen. And in my mind, I'm just like, he's not even listening to me. And so I remember I paused and, at the, and as I'm talking and I'm hearing him clack and just let him go, uh-huh, mm-hmm. It was making me angrier and angrier and angrier. And it's like, and and in these moments, this is where it's like, you you have this moment of like, these moments will happen. And that was wrong, right? He was wrong. But in my mind, my emotion took over because I'm sitting here like, I'm I'm taking my time. I'm explaining it to you. He's clacking away, just kind of nodding me off. So I finally paused. And then he stopped clacking. He goes, oh, are you done? And I said, no, I'm going to wait until you actually pay attention to me because it's really disrespectful for you to be doing whatever you're doing on your computer while I'm in the middle of talking to you. I gave you my attention. I expect yours. And I said it very sharply like that, but in front of his rep, in front of my rep, and very emotionally. And like the color drained from his face and he moved his computer and we finished the meeting. And after, as we were walking out, he was like, I need you to hold back for a minute. Said it like that. I need you to hold back for a minute. And then triggered me all over again. And I was like, okay. So I sit down and he's like, who do you think you are talking to me like that? And I said, and I said, excuse me. And he goes, who do you think you are? And I said, who do you think you are? And it was like this moment where like, then we just kind of went at each other and nothing got done in that meeting. And then me and that manager never got along again. It was like, we had this explosive moment and we left. And for a long time, I felt very victimized by that entire interaction because I was like, not only did you not listen to me, but then on top of that, you pulled me back and then attacked me for it. It wasn't for a while before I was able to compartmentalize and say the feedback I should have gotten was there's a better way to communicate in that moment that you're not feeling hurt or wanting to be heard. There is a way to put away emotion and not get angry and maybe pause and just say, it looks like you've got something going on. I want to make sure this is the best time to have a conversation. Should we keep going now or should we come back to this later? I definitely want to resolve it, right? Where I'm not making him look like an idiot in front of his rep. On the flip side, I could have handled that secondary conversation better. So in my mind, it was like, I'm not a victim in that moment. It was bad feedback by somebody coming at me the wrong way, but I could be better from this. And that's exactly what you're talking about, which is even if I'm hearing it in a bad way, the high EQ folks will say, but this can make me better and I can avoid this in the future. And I could have, I've never had an interaction like that again in my life, but these things happen. First of all, anybody that has ever, like anybody on the other side of this listening to this, that has had that experience with lead disputes. And those that make Mm -hmm. some that, maybe you're not in sales, maybe you haven't had this, like this is the most heightened you can be Oh. Truly, in an in an area like this is one of the moments where you are literally because especially if you're in leadership, you are fighting for your person, and yes. so it is it is heightened. Everybody is heightened, and also there's probably some gray area that like you're fighting over, and you're fighting over the <laughs> smallest gray area. It's to make make it make sense, and so um so I I like completely empathize with that, the whole story and uh, because it's like painful to hear you're I'm like oh my gosh yes I've been there before <laughs> also I will say this feeling disregarded is a very heightened feeling for many individuals in our lifetime that have any kind of abandonment issues or any other kind of thing where they have felt disregarded as our you know our inner self <laughs> maybe our yeah. little Christina was like you will pay attention. I mean, like, <laughs> <Sorry. 
hear me. You know, like, and, and it's like all of a sudden, like you, you're already heightened, you rise to it. And I love that you said, you know, in that moment, like there were different things that you could have done in a high EQ. How's you, as you've grown, you've yep. learned those different things. You've developed those skills to be able to do that and to um, control your body even. You know, and because like that's the part where, as you were saying, I could feel my heart rate almost starting to go up because I'm like, <laughs> I remember those moments, you know, because yes. you physically are having a reaction. You're physically feeling emotion bubble up. And also when we have people that we care about that we're, we're representing on their behalf, that that feels very, very, very uncomfortable and you will do anything for them. And I just like want to honor the fact that like you could look back at that and not just go like, oh, what an asshole, but actually just to look back and say like, all right, I've never been in that situation. First of all, you probably have been in that situation again, but you haven't handled it that way. And Ugh. that, and that's the beauty. That's exactly it. So mm -hmm. it's not that. You've never been in that situation again. And I want to make sure everybody hears that because she's for sure been in that situation. <laughs> you're right. But, you're right. But yeah. she was, she had looked at that and thought, all right. And one of my favorite phrases is like, how do I throw hard and not sharp? Ooh. So is how, okay, I can say and do and, and be hard things. Like we can do hard things. We can say hard things. I can say, hey, you know what? It feels, it feels a little weird right now that you're typing. <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm sorry, I because I, I, this is really important to us, and it seems like it's important to your rep as well. So we can like, do we need? I'm, I'll go grab a drink. I'll go do something. We can come back in a minute if this is a, if something is more urgent on your end, but but also we made time for this. So so we can say something hard, but also you know not sharp. And there's a difference. You know that sting, that zing, and we know how to do it. <laughs> we know how to give it, right? And so that, that was a, a phrase that someone, you know, years ago said is like, hey, let's throw hard, not sharp. And I thought, nah, that is what I want. Where people know I am going to be fully present, fully myself, and absolutely not allow certain types of behavior to be around me in a way that doesn't work. And also, I'm not going to try to zing you. Yes. Like, we're not going to zing each other. And if you zing me, I'm still going to, I'm going to let you know that doesn't work for me and I'm going to keep put, you know, I will still rise to it, but I don't have to be sharp. Ooh. Ooh, and that, that is growth because you and I are very similar in the way we communicate. I can tell. And it's like, <laughs> if you zing me, I will zing you back 100 times harder. You will never walk again after I zing you. <laughs> like we gotta, yeah. Velvet hammer. Right. Yeah. That was what yeah. I heard one time. Like I'm going to be a velvet hammer. I'm still going to hit you though. So. <laughs> Um, I love it. This has been an unbelievable conversation and it brings us to the end. It is time for our rapid reveal section. I'm, I'm guessing people are dying to hear more from you. So are you, are you down for some rapid I'm revealing? Down. I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. All right. The rapid reveal is five questions to be answered in 60 seconds or less. Number one, always a softball. What's your favorite hobby? I love words with friends. It is embarrassing, but I'm still like the old school Scrabble words with friends. Yes. I love it. Well, it's fantastic. It's yeah, that also gets a little zingy too. That gets, yeah, that it's, gets it's competitive. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You find a way to play that cue, you win. <laughs> you and that triple. You yeah, right. Um, <laughs> number two, uh, do you have any irrational fears? Yes, I do. Why am I always afraid I'm going to go bald? 
I don't know why. I have just so much hair, but I've always thought to myself, like, oh my gosh, is there some way that all of a sudden I like lose all my hair? I don't know. It's so irrational and stupid, but it is, uh, it is what. Well, I mean, we could do an entire episode on this, but so much of women's traditional beauty standards are tied to their hair and then your worth is tied to your hair. I mean, it's the Rapunzel factor. So we don't have time to get into that, but I understand why that's a fear for you. Number three, when was the last time that you felt inspired? So it's so funny. This morning I walked in and we just had a candidate that we just got placed and he sent a gift box and he sent a bunch of cards and and, it's all of it. and actually what was so funny about this is he recycles old cards and like, uh, he, <laughs> he recycles old cards. So the, you can't see this, but it says, son, I need to have a word with you. He crossed out son and wrote scene. And then like, it's the absolute most hysterical thing. But I just read this and he just wrote like such a wonderful message. Like, thank you for help. I mean, he was just like, you guys getting me this job has been a big changer for me and my family. And so like, that was uh, literally just about an hour ago. Changing the world one person at a time. I picked the wrong moment to drink my coffee when you held up that card. That was seeing it cross. Spit take. It's fine. Um, beautiful. Number four. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, it would definitely be on some beach somewhere. So I'm not picky. I would just want any beach. Yeah. Any beach somewhere, probably with like less seaweed, you know, not and, and you know what? I don't love the kelp. I would just want a magical beach where none of that is, you know, coming up on the sand. So wherever that is, that's, that's where I would go. Yeah. We don't want slimy, slimy beaches or no good. Nope. Um, uh, and last, but certainly not least, what's the first thing that you notice about a person when you meet them? Always their smile. Always. Yeah, if somebody has that bright, you know, smile, or if they don't, I notice that too. Like, what's wrong? Yeah. Why don't we want to smile, right? (laughs) Masks have made that very difficult. Although I will say in the last two and a half years, I have not had somebody shout, hey, smile while I'm walking down the street. And (laughs) I would like that to stay. Yeah, that's true. true. (laughs) It's like, woo, you know. Um, Christine, this has been just I can't say it enough. An incredible conversation. I imagine folks want to get to know more about you and also the incredible organization that you work for. So where can folks go to connect with you, be your friend, and also learn more about what you do? How do we find you? Yeah. So aspireship.com is where we're at. And also I'm all over LinkedIn. So you can definitely, Christine Rogers, I'm on LinkedIn, aspireship.com. If you want to email me, it's Christine at aspireship.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your expertise on taking the lead. It's been wonderful to have you. Oh my gosh, this was a blast. Good. And everyone listening, we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Taking the Lead. If you're looking for more inspiring stories from women leaders in B2B tech, then visit us at motionagency.io slash taking the lead.